In today's world, it's critical to have a beautiful custom-designed website to take your business to the next level. So if you're a small business in Colorado, and if you need a website that stands out, check out Pikes Peak Web Design. Pikes Peak Web Design is the easiest way to get an amazing website designed for your business. Don't worry about the hassle of creating it yourself, and work with a local team of experts who's going to walk you through each step of the website design process and make things nice and simple for you. They built our website, let them build yours. Check them out at pikespeakwebdesign.com. This episode of Attitude Check is brought to you by Altus Professionals. In the business world, first impressions matter. That's why you want to make sure that you're ready when you meet that person who's going to help take you to the next level. They're going to mentor you, help start your company. You want to make sure your style game is on point so you make the right first impression. So if you're in the market for stylish yet affordable men's professional accessories, I'm talking sunglasses, watches, tie clips, ties, dress socks, you name it, head to altus-professionals, that's A-L-T-U-S-professionals.myshopify.com and make sure you use the promo code ATTITUDE10 for 10% off your entire purchase. They're already really affordable, but make sure you use that promo code to get that extra 10% off. Again, that's altis-professionals.myshopify.com, promo code ATTITUDE10. Make sure you check them out, folks. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to episode 24 of the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. Today, we have Shalise Foster as a guest. Shalise is one of my favorite people to talk to. She's such a down-to-earth person, and she's always radiating positive energy and authenticity, so I know you folks are going to love this conversation. Shalise is the creator of the Waldo Waldo 5K, which is a sensational 5K. If you don't know what that is, I highly encourage you to look it up. It's where a bunch of people dress as Waldo from Where's Waldo, and they do a 5K together. It's such a great crowd and great experience, but today she's here to talk about her newest project, which is the Gallup 5K. So I highly encourage you check her out and search Gallup 5K to participate in that as well. You folks are really going to enjoy her background and her story and how she overcame adversity and struggle when she was young. And I really enjoyed talking to her about her creative process and her proclivity to do something and create something that's going to give back to the community that she grew up in. Before we get started, we just want to let you folks know that we were facing some technical difficulties with our audio and our microphone, so this episode is a little bit under the quality that we usually like to put out for you, but we still found that there was a lot of great content from Shalise that we wanted to share, so bear with us with that in mind. So without further ado, let's jump into our conversation with Shalise Foster. Endeavor to challenge yourself every single day. Engage with your community, effect change, and produce impact. I'm John Mark Radspinner. And I'm Brent Sabati, and this is the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. We have the conversations that young professionals should be having, but aren't. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Attitude Check. Today we have Shalise Foster as a guest. Shalise is the creator of the Waldo Waldo and the upcoming Gallup 5K. So Shalise, the first thing we like to do on these episodes are go through an icebreaker question. And today, the question is, if VR were something that you could sell now, and you could sell one of your memories or experiences, which one would you pick and why? That's a really, really tricky one for me, because I feel like I've had a lot of moments in my life that I would like to share with people. Um, but a few that stick out would obviously be you know, having my two kiddos and going through that sort of parenthood change in my life. But marrying my husband was a huge one for me. Um, I met him when I was 14. 
And I knew when I was 14 that he was supposed to be mine. (laughs) It took me three or four years to convince him, but we started dating when I was 17. And uh, we've been together ever since. And he's been like a huge rock for me. He's helped me overcome a lot of things and been patient and just really incredible. So I think the day I married him was a monumental time for me to finally feel like I could break out of my past experiences and kind of move into my new phase that I was, my new journey that I was supposed to be on. So my wedding day, I guess, would be it. Well, that definitely puts some extra weight on the wedding day, hearing (laughs) that whole lead up to it. That's really awesome. So on your wedding day, was there like a certain, you know, something that stuck out to you as far as your memory wise, as far as like a a sight or a smell or color or some kind of visual that you really remember about that day? You know, I would say that, um, so we got married at the Shove Chapel and then had a reception at the Fine Arts Center. And we did a little meet beforehand. And I remember him walking behind me and you know, I, tur- I turned around and all of our friends were behind us and all of our family was just pouring all this love over us. And just that final moment of feeling like things were changing, things were happening, and we were surrounded by support and people. And I was marrying the guy that I fell in love with since I was 14. I mean, like I had journals with my name Shalise Foster, Shalise Foster, written down when I was 14, like really, really funny. So um, it was like, it was a dream come true for me that that moment was happening. Well, that's that's super interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely one of those classic, you know, romance Mm -hmm. stories that we're going to have to come back to that because there's a few different points that I think are super not only interesting, but applicable to other walks of life, so to speak. (laughs) Um, But, well, For our listeners out there, obviously, you created the Waldo Waldo 5K, as we mentioned, and you're coming up with this new 5K called Gallop for Garden of the Gods. But tell us, how did you get to this point and what kind of got you to the point where you were inspired to create these events? Sure. Um, sure, I'm going to go talk a lot more again. Um, So I always kind of had this this feeling in my my heart and in my gut, even as a kid, that I wanted to make some sort of impact. I kind of wanted to make some sort of feeling that I wasn't making a difference or something, but I didn't really ever know what it was. Um, But I just had that feeling deep down. And when the Waldo fire happened in 2012, I was working for a costume company named Elope. They're a local costume company here in town, but they ship worldwide. And we had access to thousands of Waldo costumes. And I was the only one at work at that time. Everyone else was displaced or um, evacuated, had family evacuated. I was the only one there holding down the fort. And I was thinking to myself, I need to do something that's going to maybe help to recover these areas. Everyone, no matter where you were in the city, you were impacted negatively. And I felt like, well, maybe we should continue to um, do something to help restore that area. And everyone here in College Springs loves 5Ks, so let's do that. And originally, the idea came from me hiking Waldo Canyon when I was a kid is when I would go hiking Waldo Canyon, I'd say, Mom, is this where Waldo is? Like, where's Waldo? Is this really where he is? And she's like, no, it's just a Waldo name. So about two months or three months before the fire happened, my family, we we would go hiking in Waldo Canyon all the time. It was like our, it was a place to be. Um, And I said, hey, we should do a flash mob of cleaning up Waldo Canyon and those sort of things. We should do some silly thing and people hiding behind trees and waving their hands and stuff. And then, you know, I talked to a lope and they're like, yeah, we can do that at some point. And then, you know, two or three months later, the fire came through 
And I thought, dang, that's not going to work anymore. We can't do the flash mob. Like, this is a beloved, awesome location that everyone in the city absolutely loves. That sucks. And that's where the idea finally like pulled into this. I can make an impact. I can make a difference. I can pull together. I have some expertise. My husband is full of, of expertise. So that's just pull together and make something happen. Absolutely. And for those people who are not Colorado-based or familiar with Colorado, the Waldo Waldo 5K, it was a fundraiser to raise money uh, to help people who were impacted by the Waldo Canyon fire. And you really should look it up, find it on Google, YouTube. It's a bunch of people, a few thousand people dressed in Where's Waldo costumes all running together. And it's really a, a crazy sight to see and really, you know, it was an awesome event. Thank you. If you look in 2018 really hard, then you can find me. Yeah. I was the true Where's Waldo, cause, you know, tall, skinny. You kind of had a look going on. Yep. Did you wear glasses too? I did. I wore the Waldo glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the some 4,000 Waldos that were there last year, I got many compliments. Like, you actually look like Waldo. See? That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> did you have little kids coming up to you asking you if you were actually Waldo? No. No, I didn't have that happen. I'm a little bit bummed now. Yeah. <laughs> One can only dream, right? <laughs> so as you had this idea to start this and make a difference for the community and the people you were around, what were kind of the biggest hurdles that you first had to overcome as far as planning of 5K? Because you know, like this is like most things in life. On the outside, it seems like it's a simple thing to create or plan. You know, you show up, you run. What else do you need, right? Yeah. But logistically, it couldn't have been that easy to start up. Yeah, it was. Um, it was really challenging at first. We actually gave ourselves seven weeks to put it on, which was kind of crazy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with the idea, and then we gave ourselves seven weeks, and we just made it happen. Um, I was never an event coordinator before. Like I never put events on. I didn't really have uh, any history with doing that sort of thing. But I was always a planner, personally. Like I would always just plan everything. I'm a big dreamer. I'm always thinking of the big picture and how to how to make things better. Um, so I think it kind of kind of came naturally to me to kind of figure out all the details and the logistics and how to really just pull it all together. But some of the hurdles that we had was just. Um, you know, like insurance for a couple thousand people and using parks and how much money it actually costs to put on the events. Like we spent on average like twenty six to thirty two thousand dollars a year just on costumes alone. Like that's it. Like thirty wow. thirty thousand dollars on costumes is a huge thing. So a lot of the stuff that we that we did not really realize most of the big logistics was and I just kinda had to take it with a grain of salt and just run with it and Hope it worked out well. <laughs> so obviously, seven weeks—that's not a lot of time no. to to plan something of really any kind of magnitude, <laughs> especially when it involves the city and, like you said, insurance and all these other um, things that involve other people. So you know, one thing that you've had great success in is having a great team of people around you to help you to make this vision become a reality. So did that come about naturally, or how did you find the right people to help you plan all this? Yeah, so um, the first year we were hoping for, if we get 250 participants, like we would be super happy, like that would be a huge number, and a thousand people showed up, which was great. Um, but we ended up reaching out to Upadana the first two years. Upadana is a local nonprofit here in town. They try to get people excited to go outside. And so we kind of collaborated with them the first two years to try to get help. Um, and then my sister, so my sister actually got custody of me when I was 15. 
So she's kind of like my second mom, you know, she's always been there. So she's always followed me on any adventure. She's always my social butterfly, going out, getting people to be involved, hanging out. So she was always behind my back 100% from day one. Um, my husband, Jeff, as well. So he's a photographer, videographer, web designer, graphic designer. Um, he happens just does everything under the sun. So I didn't have to outsource web design, graphic design, photography, any of that stuff. So he was kind of able to pull together. I mean, he's the brand manager at UCCS too. So it's like he was able to pull together a decent brand for what we needed. And um, so there was a huge amount of collaboration and support that I had from people. And there are the reasons why it probably happened is I might have had the big idea and the passion to follow through with it and stuff like that. But if I didn't have these people behind me supporting me, there's no way it would have happened because there was so much support that we got from people. Shirley, who were the beneficiaries for the race? Um, so we had two beneficiaries, actually, um, all seven years. We had Rocky Mountain Field Institute and Trails and Open Space Coalition. Um, Rocky Mountain Field Institute were actually was the only nonprofit legally allowed to be in Waldo Canyon to do work and restore it and those sort of things. And then Trails and Open Spaces, we donated to them because we wanted to continue to help and restore the trails that weren't burnt down that we could still use within the city. So we kind of had a, a multi-purpose um, beneficiary level, but it was really great because Rocky Mountain Field Institute, um, they were able to you know, plant thousands of seedling tr saplings because of us, put in erosion barricades. Um, part of the Waldo money that was made actually helped with a lot of the flooding that happened in Manitou a couple years after with all the mudslides and everything. They were able to kind of help restabilize and things like that just because of Waldo, which was huge. Um, so a lot of the money just, you know, really helped um, restore that area. That's going to unfortunately probably take another 10 years before it's maybe open again. But there is a silver lining, which is kind of cool. Um, the scar of the actual Waldo Canyon area, because there's not as many pine trees, they now think that all the aspens are going to be growing. So that means in the next 10 to 15 years, it'll be golden scar instead of pine trees. So it's kind of a cool, like, even though a fire came, it's going to be beautiful and golden. Yeah, and even this year, you can look at the mountain and start to see the, the green yeah. growing back. It's not quite a scar anymore. Exactly. It's not quite a scar, but it's it's still not safe during monsoon season and stuff because get stuck up there you get washed down the mountain so but it's, it's sounds like fun yeah exactly. <laughs> um but uh, those two beneficiaries were really really monumental for us too and allowed us to have a lot of great connections within the city and met people we wouldn't have ever met and had great volunteers for our event so if you can look into rocky mountain field institute and trails and open space they are really really cool people so so how did you initially get in contact with the right people at those two organizations and how did you kind of develop those connections and relationships? Sure. So um, the first year event happened and Pikes Peak Community Foundation had a Waldo Waldo uh, Firefighters Fund and that's where we donated the first amount of money to. And after everyone saw the, um, the success of the event and that people were so excited about it, we were planning on just doing a one-time event and being done. But every year we got tons of feedback and our surveys and everything else being like, bring it back. You can't, you know, don't do one year. So we decided we would just keep going as long as we could. Um, and we ended up having Trails and Open Space reach out to us and Rocky Mountain Field Institute saying, hey, like, I'm, we're the only ones allowed to do work in Waldo Canyon. Like, let's make a partnership happen. Let's do something. And then Trails and Open Space, um, they do cool work within the community as well. So it just seemed like a natural fit for 
for what we were looking for. Shalise, what is the story of you? How did you get to where you're at? <laughs> um, it's kind of a it's kind of a tricky question. So I'll try to keep it short. Um, I had a really rough childhood, and obviously each person has their own story and their own journey. But I had to overcome a lot emotionally and a lot um, when it just came to just trying to manage my daily life. Um, so my sister, you know, like my sister got custody of me when I was 15. There was a really, really bad custody battle that happened that happened for my father and my mother. And I was kind of caught in between that. And there was a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of issues that happened with that. But it's funny now because when I look back on it, I always tell myself that I'm really glad all of it happened because I wouldn't have the grit or the passion or the desire to like impact other people if I wouldn't have gone through that. So even if it was hard and even if I still have like some some issues deep and deep down inside that kind of affect me on a daily basis, I know that it is pushing me to like make things better and it gives me the passion to and the drive to push for something new and to get out of my comfort zone. So um, I think I think having hardships put me in the position to to work past it and to want to make something fun happen, you know. And that that little impact, like even as when I when I was eight years old, I had this feeling like I wanted to make an impact. And after all this hard work and all these things happened, finally this this thing happened that I felt like I could actually maybe do. So that's where I am today. <laughs> so. Kind of going back into what you mentioned about you know how you met your husband, mm-hmm. what I took from that is you have really strong visualization of what you want, and you hear a lot of kind of woohoo out there about you know just will whatever you want in the universe and it will come to you. But you obviously have plans of actions for a lot of the things you do in life, and you obviously had this passion to make a change since you were young, so. What kind of strategies do you have as far as finding out what you actually want and then working towards that? Is it just kind of an unconscious thing for you or is it something you actually dedicate time to think about? Sure. Um, it's a mixture of both, but a lot of it, I, kind of, I think I kind of torture myself, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm incredibly persistent when I want something or when I need something to happen that I will make it happen with just sheer hard work and perseverance. Um, so I've always kind of had the, inter- like I try to internalize a lot about how I'm, how I'm feeling or what I need in my life and um, emotionally kind of like how I'm doing. And when I start to internalize and when I start to think bigger and when I start thinking about the ways I want to impact people, that's where my passion kind of starts to come out. So I have a lot of other projects I work on too other than the Gallup. Like I have a lot of little, I'm working on a kid's site, a kid's uh, therapy book, art therapy book. I'm working on a little video series for um, people that have experienced a lot of hardships and things like that. So you don't feel quite as alone going through what you're going through. You see other people that have experienced maybe something similar. Um, So I have a lot of like little things that I'm always really passionate about. So I have a big like board that I kind of, you know, write out what I want to do, my next steps. And so it, it is a very big process, but it's also... Like an internal unconscious process too probably yeah, i wake up in the middle of the night and i write in my notebook if i remember something and then I go back to sleep <laughs> so so not to put you on the spot but if you had to put out like a, a psa 
to you know younger people, young professionals, just you know that kind of age demographic on like a couple tips that they could practice or they can try or think about if they're going through a hard part in their life, what would you tell them? Um, so, so for me, when I was going through what I was going through, it would have been so huge to be able to find somebody else that was vulnerable enough to be around me to tell me that they may be experiencing something similar. So when I was going through what I was going through, I always felt really alone. I felt ashamed that maybe I was the only one that was experiencing this heartache. And I wish that somebody would have been vulnerable enough with me and been open enough to actually communicate with me. Like I think when you're vulnerable, you open up and you're allowed for other things to come in and you're more perceptive to stuff. So I think being vulnerable is really huge. Um, being um, very passionate and having persistence um, is super, super huge. And I think, I think when it comes down to how I feel in general with, with success and trying to work towards what you want, I think trying to keep in mind that running for the rat race isn't going to be worth your time. Like it's not going to be worth your time to kill yourself just trying to make the most money you possibly can. Hmm. Like I think you should try to find the happiness first and you should try to find the things that really give you passion and the things that you really, really care about. And sure, you might have to work your nine to five job, you know, like you might have to do that just to make enough money to do the things you care about. Shalise, when you were going through this, um, it sounded like you would have liked to have people that were vulnerable with you when you were struggling, uh, just about what they were going through also. So would you say that surrounding yourself with the right people is of utmost importance? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I actually made a, I made a conscious decision and effort about 15 years ago um, to kind of, to kind of cut the negative toxic people out of my life that were dragging me down and not lifting me up. There was a lot of, um, there's a lot of people that I realized that were just kind of poisoning me. And I, I had these ideas of greatness and these ideas of, of things and places I wanted to go and be. And I realized they kept pushing me back to the place I was when I was a kid or, or being negative and just pushing me back to my normal tendencies of wanting to be negative. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need this, this negativeness in my life anymore. So when I started cutting people out of my life, or not even cutting them out, but making a conscious decision to not let them affect me, or be around them. And so when I started seeing this like huge increase in, in life and happiness, and um, I was actually able to have some growth personally when I wasn't being poisoned by people. So I actually had time to, to focus on myself and to um, set goals and to have a healthy relationship with my husband that I was newly married to. You know, it's like I, I needed to have this, or I was actually dating him at that time, but. I needed to feel like I had this momentum behind me that was pushing me to be who I wanted to be and not this evil force pushing me back to who I didn't want to be. So, yeah. So I feel like for a lot of people, it's not only hard to cut out toxic people, um, but it's for some reason it's almost like those toxic people are drawn to them or they're almost addicted to the struggles they face with these toxic people. Mm -hmm. So was it a challenge for you? I know you said you started this as a conscious decision 15 years ago. Has it ever been a challenge to stay clean, so to speak, and to you know, mentally and physically tell people 
I'm not going to associate myself with you if I don't feel like it's in the best interest for my health and my well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge almost every day. I think. Um, even if you meet new people, you know, you have to be conscious about what kind of energy is this person giving me. You know what I mean? So yeah, every day I have to kind of reevaluate who's in my life, who belongs in my life, who deserves my time and my attention. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's really, really difficult to have made that conscious decision. But when I look at it or when I struggle with it, the magnitude of happiness that I've had since I've done that is something I will never give up. I will never let go of that ability to have happiness in my life. You know what I mean? Like, it got to the point where when I think about it, I go, nope, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ever go back to that place in my life. So the hard work right now is totally worth it because I know that every day and every year that I continue to make that decision means that I'll be happier and happier and happier. And, you know, just finding that, like, emotional well-being is really, really important for me. And being a mom, too, and I think even more the last five years, it's it's allowed me to realize that my children's emotional well-being and stability and um, agility is really, really important to me. And trying to teach them that they don't have to be around people that are bullies or rude or mean is totally okay, too, and that that's their choice. So I think it's made me even more, like, rigid with my thinking is you don't have to put up with shit. Like, move on. You don't You don't need, what benefit do they have in your life? Mm-hmm. And if they don't serve a benefit, then move on and pour that energy into somebody that does this. It's so, challenging. <laughs> so now that you've been kind of practicing this for a while, do you feel like you have kind of a, a radar for those negative energy people? Or is it something you have to, you know, kind of every once in a while sit back and be like, hmm, I wonder if this person is actually healthy for me to be around? Because... I know for myself personally, I tend to not really realize if something or someone is negatively impacting my life until they're either not there or I have, you know, something of the opposite to compare it to. So do you find that it's just kind of easy for you now to just subconsciously be like, yeah, I shouldn't be around that person? More or less. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I've always had a really good intuition about people in general. Like even as a kid, I could pick up pretty easily like uh, that person's kind of sketchy. I don't think I'm going to be around <laughs> That's that That's a good person. skill to have. <laughs> um, so I've always had, I think, pretty decent intuition. But there are times where, where I get caught in the thick of it and I realize, oh, man, this person's bringing me down and I, I'm not going to be okay with it. But my motto is I can't be mad at somebody unless they know the reasons. So I'm never going to – like if you know that I'm upset with you or frustrated or angry, you'll know. I'm so blunt and I'm so open. I'm not going to yell at you, but I'm going to let you know, like, this this is something I've been feeling really, really frustrated about, and you, you're going to know. And if they continue to do things that affect me in a negative way, then I'm going to say, hey, I, I let you know, but I'm, I've got to move on. You know what I mean? So it, it's been good practice, but... I've also like I think my sister makes my sister thinks I'm super blunt and if you know how I feel like if I know how I feel then you're gonna know how I feel <laughs> so yeah it's, it's it's a challenge for sure yeah but that's such a, a rare thing to see nowadays is just that clear and open communication style not just about you know just communicating kind of you know casually but actually getting deeper and telling people how you actually feel and I think a lot of issues would be prevented or solved if people were just more open with each other and telling each other, hey, 
the way you acted or the thing that you did is not you know, healthy for me or I don't appreciate that. And just having you know clear communication without attaching a lot of emotion behind it or a lot of you know expectations mm -hmm. so I think that's you know for all our listeners out there that's a really good takeaway and something you can try and practice in your day-to-day -day life is if someone's bothering you tell them about it not in a mean way yeah, obviously exactly. but just talk about it yep. yeah and I think it's 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 huge to have that kind of commission bridge between each other where everyone has complex feelings and emotions and like I've been teaching my kids to have big feelings it's okay to have big feelings it's okay to, to feel you know what you feel inside as long as you're being kind to somebody else. So I just think, you know, trying to be aware of how you feel and sharing your story is totally acceptable. Shalise, how have mentors impacted you? Man, um, I feel like I've had a lot of mentors in my life, a lot that have helped me kind of get where I needed to be. And they weren't necessarily mentors career-wise, you know, like I, I, I dropped out of high school when I was 16. I got my GED, started working full time. So never had that like immediate track of you're going to become this successful doctor or something like that. Um, but they were more or less like supportive, kind mentors that I needed to help me get where I needed to emotionally so I could actually have the growth mindset to become who I wanted to be, to focus the energy on the things I wanted to do, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, I had a couple teachers that were really incredible, really amazing. I actually had a couple teachers that would, um, like, bring me to lunch if I didn't have a lunch or something like that, and really kind of, like, one-on-one. -on -one. They weren't allowed to bring me to lunch, but it was they obviously saw that I was in pain, and they would connect with me, and they would make me feel like I was important. And they were they were taking a huge risk to make me feel like I was some someone that was worth talking to. Um, so those people were really important. I had um, a counselor, actually the same counselor that I've been seeing since I was 8 to 30. Um, I've known her my whole life pretty much, and she's been huge for me. Um, and then my sister, you know, my sister was 21 when she got custody of me, but she always had this like support and groundingness to me, to, to it, and she just, she gave me the support that I needed to, to feel like I could function on a normal level. And I like that you said that word support because I feel like it's becoming more and more of a common theme when you talk about not only mentorship but other areas of people helping you in general is that difference between support and help. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a huge thing in today's society, especially when you talk about um, you know parenting and raising kids and things like that is what's the difference between making it too easy for someone and actually helping them develop and uh, build their potential. And I think mm -hmm. you're a great example of how powerful support is, you know, because you didn't have someone giving you a handout, but you had someone there not necessarily telling you what to do or, you know, these are the 10 steps you need to take mm -hmm. to be successful, but they were there. They listened to you, which was huge, and they mm -hmm. supported you for whatever you wanted to do so you can become your own person. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. We're going to transition more into mm -hmm. our bullet questions. Yes. So, Shalise, recommend one book. Um, obviously, as you guys can tell, I'm really into, um, you know, well-being and growth mindset stuff. So, it's The Good Morning, Good Night by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And he just has all his Twitters that he's done over the last few years. He threw into a book that Lin-Manuel Miranda is an incredibly inspirational, like, 
powerhouse of a person. So he'll post these things. So sometimes I open up the book and I read it to my kids in the morning or I, I'm having a difficult time. I look at it and then I send my family text messages of the thing and call it good. So yeah, that book's great. <laughs> and he also created uh, Hamilton and a bunch of stuff. So if you're yeah. a fan of all those things, definitely check out the book. I bought it on Shalise's recommendation yeah. and it's definitely a good thing to have. Quick reads. <laughs> Recommend one resource that's helpful for you in everyday life. Um, again, it may not be exactly what you guys are looking for, because um, it's not necessarily a career, you know, a career thing. But um, I'm going to say support from family and friends is my resource. <laughs> um, leaning into them when I need it and having it is huge for me to have, and. If you can find it for yourself, then no matter what you're going through or what you need, that that's a huge resource to have. Well, Shalise, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Share one parting piece of guidance is the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. One piece of advice would you should become a waiter before you go do anything else. Because <laughs> once you become a waiter, you'll understand how to treat people. Yeah, I think that's probably my basic, I've already given enough random stuff, but. That's real talk right there, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Go be a waiter, experience shitty people. Um, <laughs> and then you can just uh, reach me at my email, which is thegallop, T-H-E-G-A-L-L-O-P, 5K, at Gmail. Um, and eye contact is also a good one. Awesome. Thank you again, Shalise. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. This is John Mark. And this is Brent. Signing off. John, Mark, and I had such a great time recording this episode with Shalise. It's always great to be able to sit down and hear her story and her background again because I think starting with the Waldo Waldo 5K, uh, her initiatives in the community and how she just built a great team around her uh, from the people she knew, I think it translates really well into a more corporate business setting about team development and leadership and having a social impact to give back to your community. Another thing I really enjoyed about her process is just her ideas and how she really wants to get out there and create something that the public and the community is going to be excited about. And I think that also teaches us great lessons that we can translate over into the business world from marketing or even just delivering our message. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Shalise as much as I did. Make sure you check her and her event out at the Gallup 5K, and you can find that on Facebook and Eventbrite. We will also list that link in our description as well. So make sure you check them out. Uh, make sure you register and you participate in that to help the Garden of the Gods. Be sure to check back every first and third Tuesday of the month for a new episode of Attitude Check. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Attitude Check Podcast to stay up to date on everything that we're working on. We really appreciate all of your support, and it would be really helpful for us if you could leave us a review on iTunes. So make sure you do that as well if you're enjoying what we're doing. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to DM us through our social media or email us at attitudecheckpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again to our sponsors, Altus Professionals and Pikes Peak Web Design. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of Attitude Check, the Business Leadership Podcast. We'll catch you next time.